you are listening to A Night Dream. A Night Dream podcast. Well, one day I would like to finish the two books that I started. You are listening to A Night Dream. A Night Dream podcast. The first night dream of the episode is called An Unending Moment, Perfect. You are staying with a friend who loves hiking, and last night you went to bed early in preparation for today's hike. You've warned them that you're in fact a normal person, and that to you a five-hour hike is not a normal thing to do. But they were very excited to show you this walking trail, and last night over dinner, slowly over drinks, they tempted you. Describing the dramatic change in scenery, the mountain peaks, the big trees, the enormous view from the top. So now you're wearing a little backpack filled with water and treats, things that you think you would want if the worst should happen and you were cut off from humanity, lost in the woods. Finally, seeing the trail that you have been imagining since dinner, you are relieved that it really isn't that steep and is also clearly marked, someone having thoughtfully spray-painted a red dot onto the floor every now and then to guide you. You're about to stop for lunch when your friend says that, if you're up for it, there's a cave up ahead that you can go into. It's easy to get to, and you can see the sky through a hole in the roof of the cave. Of course, you say, that sounds great. So you leave the path and climb up out of the trees onto bigger rocks that sit together in a huge pile. There, your friend points, and where they point, a hole appears, a shadow unless known otherwise. You enter the cave very carefully, apologetically, like you would an old pharmacy. And soon you realise just how much space there is around you, so you stand up straighter and walk normally. You see the hole quite quickly, because it's the only other part of the cave letting in light, but you pretend to only notice it when your friend points. There it is. And as you walk towards the hole, you step on something softer than the ground that crunches underfoot before spinning away like a spindle. Your friend holds it up in the air, saying, This is a bone. And you laugh, completely fine with stepping on just a single bone. You both move further into the cave towards the hole. Raising your heads, you start looking into the hole that is formed in the roof of the cave, and the world spins in a patch of celestial matter, which enters the hole in the roof of the cave, spilling onto you, and while imbibing the loose matter, you begin to see all time which has happened inside the cave. You see darkness, water, layers of rock and soil pass around you, Animals, ancient humans, more recognisable people, and huge spans of nothingness. Eventually, after what feels like a very long time, bears inhabit the cave. Generations of bears enact a cycle of death and creation. The bears eventually leave the cave to be replaced by hikers of all ages and times, until a bear returns to the cave, carrying a small animal between its jaws which it eats most of. 
The bare leaves and you see what's left of the prey disintegrate into bone. You see yourself and your friend enter the cave, break the bone, and begin to examine the hole in the roof of the cave. Overwhelmed, you are bisected by a double-sided mirror that shows two places almost as the same place. Seeing an angular interior ring, you begin drifting off, but instead you stand, trapped momentarily, able to think of nothing but the photo of you and your brother and sister that you recreated as adults. You are still thinking of this photo as you watch the bear enter the cave, and as you watch yourself getting eaten, you witness something that happens less than every thousand years. You are remembered locally as the missing hikers. The next night dream is called The Mystery. You are cycling home from work along a path that borders a bigger road, the other side of a field. It's your favourite time of year because the evening sun fully hits your left side, projecting a shadow of you and your bike onto the hill that borders the side of the path that doesn't border the field. You breathe in deeply, inhaling the depth of the light that falls onto your face. The trees that stand between the small road and the larger one wave you home each day. Deep in thought, you cycle past the hill again, cycling quickly and breathing deeply. You notice something a different colour to the grass, standing at the top of the hill. It's the only thing on the hillside, and you spend the night thinking about what it could be. Kept up by one of those unique storms that only happen at night after an unusually hot day. In the morning, you leave the house late and don't have time to check the hill before work. Trapped at work, you think about the hill all day, and you even consider checking it on your lunch break, but something comes up. When you finally finish, you cycle to the path by the hill and half walk, half crawl to the top of it. From here, you can see the road that borders the cycle path clearly, and it surprises you just how many cars use the road. You find the thing that you saw from the bottom of the hill as you cycle past, it's a big envelope, sodden from the night before. You open it carefully, feeling exposed at the top of the hill, worried about the people driving past, watching you, holding the letter. Water has seeped through the first pages, making them entirely illegible. Carefully, you place them down onto the hillside. The last part of the last page, although heavily smudged, is legible so you read it out loud to the hill. The dead keep on growing, and I can't stand it. The older I get, and with each new person who dies, I feel the degrees of separation slipping away into nothing. Yours, William the Pistol. The next night dream is called The Mystery of the Death of a Loved One. Thin parts of you will turn to metal and bend. So many of them will bend that it will take years to unpick and carefully bend them back-ish. At best, different. Some bits will break in your gentle grip. Fixed or not, you must be brave. The next night dream is called Evil Gnome. You're walking to work 
and cut through a multi-storey car park instead of walking around it. As you walk up the ramp to the first level, you see a cat-sized person walking along the concrete wall. Boldly, you ask it for a wish. There are so many things that you would like to change in this moment, and hearing you, the figure turns around and scowls. So you stand waiting for something to happen, for the small figure to disappear in a puff of smoke, or even better, to pull a black and white wand from its pocket. And it occurs to you too late to say please, but the gnome doesn't seem to notice you as it stays scowling towards you. Still staring at the thing, you hear the barrier open as a car enters the car park, and it still stares at you as you move out of the car's way as it drives past without stopping. Almost late for work, you leave the car park, hoping that you haven't imagined the whole thing, and hoping even more that one of your wishes comes true. You pray to yourself in the staff room for the gnome to be a benevolent one, not an evil gnome. You are sure that it did happen, but you don't tell any of your colleagues. The day that you retire, your skin starts to rust in patches and fall off. Instantly you remember the car park, and the doctors say that it's a mystery. The next night dream is called No Joy. You're watching TV when a show comes on about a man who collects family heirlooms. The man claims that his collection is unique, completely different to any other collection, a monument to tragedy, a collection of objects touched by suffering. The man, dressed very strangely, stands in the doorway to his house slash museum. The host passes through the doorway, while the narrator makes a huge effort to frame the man as eccentric. Quite unnecessarily, as the camera pans around the man's living room, a room filled with things, shelves covered in various things, trinkets and objects abound. He moves the coin towards the camera as the camera zooms, creating a zigzag portrait of the coin, The camera zooms back out as the man explains that the coin is very old, but what interests him is that the coin was found among the ruins of a local mayor's house, which burnt down. The coin was embedded in a beam that ran from the front of the house to the back, bisecting it, and likely would have never been found, if not for the unfortunate fire. The fire that killed the mayor, a tragedy by all accounts. The man's hand hovers indecisively over the table in the middle of the room, too excited to choose. You check the TV remote, and you're pleased to see that there's almost half an hour left of the show. The man picks up a large piece of amber, announcing that this piece of amber contains one of the original rats that carried the Black Death. Yes, the bubonic plague, the Great Mortality. It's hard to make out, but you can see an outline of the rat inside the amber, and the man holds up the amber in front of a lamp, illuminating the trapped rat. The man explains that he was told by a judge that it would be illegal to unencase this rat to have it tested, as it would be too dangerous. 
but that he does have a certificate of authenticity from the museum that he purchased the rat from originally. Done with the rat, the man pulls at a sheet, unveiling a large piece of stone. A tombstone of Pontius Pilate, clearly fake of course, made with modern tools. A joke crafted by a local mason who died suddenly when the tombstone fell onto their foot, crushing it. The mason survived the accident, but died tragically on the way to hospital as the ambulance drove over one of those old stone bridges, causing it to collapse, tragically drowning the mason and the ambulance crew. The man gestures for the camera operator to zoom in again. If you look closely, you can see the marks from where it crushed his foot. The man gestures to a big watch for scuba diving on a pedestal. Perhaps this will interest you. Bought in Tenerife, its previous owner had a heart attack while exploring a famous shipwreck. It was hard to pin down, but yes, there is footage of the incident, which is also in my collection. And if you liked the tombstone, then this will truly excite you. My most prized walking stick. Originally a tree, then a boat which sank, then a throne fought over by two ancient cultures. And the camera zooms in on the stick, which looks like a normal walking stick. The man adds that he is in the process of buying a king's chair that only has three legs. He says we, gesturing towards himself, can only guess at why it is shaped as it is. Also, there is no exact trace of the culture that I am aware of. I am choosing to see this as a tragedy in itself. Forgotten. The same tragedy that this collection will undoubtedly someday endure. At this the man stares unflinchingly into the camera. The narrator urges you to stick around for the last part of the episode in which they will reveal something that can only be described as truly gruesome, and the screen wipes in a colourful spiral, at odds with the show, changing into an ad break. You think about getting up and going for a walk, but you simply don't feel like it. Briefly, you consider making a cup of tea, but you can't tear yourself away, so you stay watching the adverts. The next night dream is called Leaving Do, or it is your last day and you forget to ask your boss what it is in the bottle on the shelf behind their desk. It's your last day and you've spent most of the morning moving between different office cubicles. You can't wait to leave, but you also like some of the people that you work with and you're sure that maybe you will even miss some of them. You spot Pam walking past as you say a bland goodbye to someone else, and nod to her, gesturing that you will see her in the canteen. After choosing what to have for lunch, you sit down next to Pam and some other friends, and she jokes about your last meal, and the table is united, as normal people imagining themselves leaving for something better. Pam says that hopefully she will be next, she has been making arrangements to sell her house and downsize. Her son is married and she wants to retire. She whispers the last part to her confidants at the table, smiling with her finger in front of her lips. Keep it quiet for now, though. 
The next night dream is called They Found It on the Beach. You receive a message to your group chat telling you to come to the cheap pub with the table numbers. You go to this pub the most because it's cheaper than the nice pub that has a fire. Later, you arrive and order a drink. You can't see anyone inside the long pub, so you walk into the garden. It's still early and the garden is almost empty with just a few people smoking. So you go back inside and sit down. You have very little to worry about and are content watching the retired men read newspapers and sip at their drinks. Each sat alone at a round table, isolated like trees in a forest. You go to the toilet and when you get back you see a friend stood at the bar. You feel silly, overjoyed, full of excitement at what someone might say or do this evening. When your friend sits down, they gesture towards their rucksack. They found something that they want to share with everyone. A glass bottle wrapped in a towel, sealed with a thick cork. Although the bottle looks empty, there's enough liquid inside to coat the inside of the bottle. More friends arrive, buy drinks and are treated to a glance at the bottle. When the table is almost full, your friend decides that now is the time to open the bottle, but first they decide to stand up and shake it, encouraging whatever is inside to be its most exciting. They pull at the cork and suddenly... The last night dream of the episode is called The Wet Wet Wall Behind the Petrol Station. A patch of wool behind the petrol station near your house is a different colour to the rest of the wall. The patch looks wet, even on a sunny day. You've heard lots of people, with lots of explanations, try to explain the wall, and you don't believe any of them. It's that kind of town. Most of the time, things don't change. They age. And if they do change, there's usually a good reason. Once, a dog without an owner moved into the town, and it was all anybody could talk about, until somebody eventually took the dog in. And with that, the dog became a part of the town, indefinitely. You would love to leave the town, but you just can't see how that might happen. <laughs>